ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. If you're in the alcohol business, stay in the alcohol business. And if you're in the soft drink business, you must not try and you must not blur that line. So you're sitting around a boardroom table and you're saying, we've got a brand that has been attractive to teenagers, you know, for 50 years. What we're going to do now is going to wax some alcohol in it. It is seriously not on. So have the lines between soft drink and alcohol become too blurred? And not just to entice teenagers and young drinkers, but to blur the line for adults as well. Maybe to make us think we're drinking something healthier than what it really is. Hard mineral water. Super small craft cans where trying to decipher if it's vodka or soda water is tricky. Warwick Long... I don't know about you, but I'm confused. Just on the weekend, I put a four-pack of Kraft soft drink in the fridge for my daughter's 10th birthday. Yeah, no, no, it was my daughter's (laughs) birthday, right? So there was a four-pack of highly overpriced soft drink, but it looked cool because it was a special occasion. Then next to it, I put a four-pack of vodka and soda, and they look so similar that I actually panicked and I thought they can't be side by side because there is a very good chance that the kids or mum (laughs) is going to pick the wrong can. Either way, it's a disaster. So I moved them and I deliberately pointed them out to my daughter to say these are not for children. It's become really tricky. Hasn't it always been like this though? Hasn't there always been debate about what should be alcohol and how it should be sold in this country. I don't know. So Shepparton, where I'm based, right, mm-hmm. there used to be these famous little things every kid could get at the tuck shop called uh, Milky Freezers and they were all different flavours and they were sort of kid-type, like uh, frozen sort of milk-type yummy things. Some, like get Sunny yeah. Boys. But yeah, 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 kind of yes. like that, right? And then there was like an alcoholic version that was briefly released. I think it might have been called Mujus. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's back from when I was a kid, Rochelle. That's how long this was. And uh, there was a huge debate, and I remember things getting banned then. And aren't we just in a modern version of this where, again, someone tests the line, gets a whole lot of media, a whole lot of uh, discussion about it, and then ultimately the community or a government will will have to decide where that line is. I don't know whether this is about alcoholic solo or alcoholic ginger beer. And, yes, there has always been West Coast coolers on Lemon Ruskies and Elko Pops, something that has deliberately been targeted at younger drinkers, making them not taste like alcohol. I feel like older women, sort of women my age in their sort of mid to late 40s, I feel like we're being targeted in a different way now too. Like, don't worry. This is just like a hard mineral water. Like, it's it's totes fine to drink Diet this. alcohol it's, is a new marketing category, maybe. Yes. Calorie-based alcohol is huge and it's not marketed at kids. It's marketed at older women. Because that does feel new, doesn't it, in yeah. terms of the debate on where things are, are sitting. And I wonder if... It seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? We're just putting words together, diet, alcohol. But but it, it, maybe that's what industries mm. like this have to do to always try and continually stay relevant to the people they're trying to sell things to. And, and is that okay? 
Well, this is the thing. I wonder, I stood in front of the pre-mix section at the bottle shop the other day, which I don't normally do, and I couldn't believe, A, how big it was and how confused I was by it. But then you flipped that was, and I was in the soft drink section. I'm really sounding like I lead a healthy lifestyle right about now. It was a birthday, all right? I was planning a birthday. I was in the soft drink aisle of the supermarket, and then the line between and the blur between zero alcohol and... Fanta, they're side by side. Now, zero alcohol is huge. It's wonderful. It's something that many people embrace, including myself. But should it be in the soft drink aisle of the supermarket? Because at the end of the day, it looks like and it's replacing an alcoholic drink. You can see the different views of this, right? One being uh, for a lot of people, and we, I think we've even had this discussion before on, on a similar program, where the idea of zero alcohol opens up the ability for people to go to social events where they felt pressured mm. to be drinking, to just have something that uh, is zero alcohol. They're feeling, and they don't drink, they're, they're feeling quite happy and they're going home or you, you're driving or something, you're going home, you don't feel pressure in a social area like you need to, to be seen to be drinking or, or not. But the other side of that, though, isn't it, is uh, are you by putting in a supermarket, is it just a good way for large multinational brands to advertise to a younger generation before you even get into a bottle shop? That's exactly right, and normalising it in some way. So have the lines become too blurred between soft drink and alcohol? Or do we just need to pay more attention to the labels? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt here with you, Melbourne Warwick Long, joining you from ABC Shepparton. Those blurred lines between alcohol and soft drink, is it too tricky to tell the difference now? Jennifer's in Heathmont. Hi, Jennifer. Hello, Warwick and Michelle. Um, I'm just ringing about that. I think there's a line and I think the, the soft drink companies are crossing that line and I really believe they're targeting younger drinkers. You get them in young and then you move on. And I, I just think it's it, it's time to really stop that. You know, I was raised around the lemon rusky time, you know, and the and all of that. But we all knew it was advertised. It was alcohol. You know, using what the soft drink companies are doing with those two specific ones you've been talking about, I just think it's appalling. I really think it's wrong. Is it that different from a rusky, though, Jennifer? Oh, yeah, I think so. I actually do. You know, the normalising the behaviour. There is no soft drink called a lemon rusky. There is no soft drink called a um, maybe an apple cider or something. But there are those other soft drinks. So you know, we start on the soft drink, then we can take the next step. And I think it's a normalised behaviour. When you when I chose to drink a lemon rusky, I knew I was yeah. drinking not not a soft drink. I knew I'd be drinking something alcoholic because I had to go to a bottle shop. I had to do this and that, whatever. And I, I think it's... Having the names the same, I think yeah. it's just... I think it's really... They've crossed the line. There's sort of two different elements here, isn't there? There's a soft drink crossing the line, according to some people, by adding alcohol to what has for 50 years been known as a soft drink. Then there's say, a vodka and soda or hard mineral water and salsas and all of these new types of drinks that are dressed up to look like soft drink for adults because we think that that's the healthier option. But the other thing that's interesting, and I know, look, there's a text here that says, oh, good on you, this is going to be the wowser hour. And I don't know, maybe it is. But I had a tiny, tiny little can of drink um, of rosé the other week, I was. Tiny, tiny little can, super sleek. I checked the back of it to see how many drinks were in it. 
Is it something that I always do? Normally they're 1, 1.1, 2.6. <laughs> I hope you weren't driving. Oh, well, it wasn't after that. <laughs> that's uh, that's huge. So yeah. there's a lot to the marketing, to the way that things are branded and to the way that they look. I, th- I think there's a lot to pull apart here, where it should be sold, how it should look, where labels like the amount of alcohol content should be put. And if you want me to put my rural hat on with you Please here when do. you're talking about particularly canned Wine, Rochelle, right? You, you think about that looking like a soft drink more and maybe being advertised at young people. I know, though, for wine producers who are looking to lower things like their carbon footprint at the moment, which is a huge issue in agriculture, a whole lot of agriculture looking at how to lower carbon emissions, particularly if you're selling to customers and consumers who care about that, like wine. Cans are seen as a much better option yeah. than glass, which is big and heavy. And you, and so you're, you're being pushed to an area for maybe environmental reasons and then suddenly... Shows like this might say, hey, you're advertising at young people. So that you, you could see why a producer would be frustrated, right, when they're trying to find ways to do the right thing. This text, of course, it should be sold in supermarkets. Others saying, I miss the good old milky freeze. And other messages saying alcohol dressed up like soft drink isn't really an issue for most children. Not really. They cannot buy it. But Sprite now has multiple flavours. And they're talking about some of the excessive caffeine that goes into that. And this, it says, Rochelle and Was, what is there to be confused about? alcohol is not available to buy in a supermarket. That's an interesting point. Dee Madigan is from Gruen, and I know that you've discussed this exact topic, Dee, on Gruen. You're also the Executive Creative Director at Campaign Edge. First things first, let's address this text that says alcohol isn't available to buy in a supermarket. But if it's zero wine, zero beers, of which there are heaps of them in a supermarket, there's no alcohol content in it but it's dressed up to look like alcohol and to play the role of alcohol. So does it belong in a supermarket? I think it is a really interesting question because there has been no studies done on whether it's a gateway thing from zero alcohol to drinking alcohol. In my sort of my gut feeling says it's not. It's actually the other way around. It's people who used to drink who don't want to. Um, so until I see any evidence saying otherwise, I'm actually okay with it being in supermarkets and what we're not seeing in supermarkets is like brands that um, kids would normalise and then seeing those same brands in a bottle shop. Like I'm not seeing that. Um, I think Solo is the first to do that. Um, so at the moment I, I feel like it's it's not too much an issue for me yet because and, and I think there's something else worth picking as well. You talk about the spritzes, the vodka spritzes how they're sort of, like women like me are drinking them. Mm. They're not aimed at children. No. There's no doubt, though, vodka cruises and things are. No one's drinking those for health benefits. Man, they're loaded in sugar. The flavours are young palate flavours. And they definitely mark, and they look bright and colourful like soft drinks. So for me, I don't really see that there's um, the difference between that and, say, what Solo's doing. I'd say they're both skewing very, very young is it an issue that has been around for a long time? You mentioned vodka cruises. They've been around for decades yeah. now. Do they, uh, even, uh, even they, I don't even know if they're even still around. Oh, I'm just betting oh, they oh, are because I want to feel young. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Dee, I've got how, an 18-year-old. Oh, right. is, I've got an 18-year-old. And, and, and they do. They have really sweet palates and that's what they drink. Although now he's quite proud of the fact that he's like, oh, I've moved on to beer now. But I suspect it's because it's cheaper. <laughs> is there a difference between a vodka cruiser and the debate around hard solo, though, that we've seen over the last week? Look, I, I, I don't think there is. I think it's hypocritical to say one is okay 
and one isn't. I, would, I think the broader debate is, are either of them okay? And that is a valid debate to have because I do think they skew young. But ultimately, so cigarettes, I have an issue with any sort of advertising, right? Because if someone invented cigarettes today, they wouldn't be allowed to sell them. Like, but, but alcohol, there are safe limits. And I know alcohol is a massive problem in society, right? Absolutely no doubt about that. But there's also plenty of people who drink in safe amounts and who are grown-ups and want to be able to make those grown-up decisions. So I'm really wary about banning stuff. Mm. There's a message here that says, yeah, it is wowser to talk about this. Go to Europe. You'll see that there are liquor stores or there's liquor available just within our supermarkets. We need to change our thinking about alcohol through education, not by demonising it. And you even think about parts of Asia, for example, you can buy beer at the 7-Eleven. So is this fundamentally, that's text right, that, yeah, we might be confused and there might be hard mineral waters and all sorts of things and it all looks sleek and maybe we're a bit confused. But at the end of the day, educate yourself and make it available as long as the education is there? I think Australians drink at far, far riskier levels than Europeans. Um, you know, the, our drinking culture, I mean, I say this as an Irish person, I think we inherited our drinking culture from the Irish and, and there's many good things to come from Ireland, but the amount they drink isn't one of them. We usually get to a debate like this where a government has to step in and draw the line on, on what's acceptable, right? Industries no matter what sort of form they take, usually aren't very good at self-regulating themselves. Do you see a point where there's another line drawn in terms of what should be where, or are we at the point yes. where people are just working in the in the shadows now? I think there is a line. Like, say, if in the supermarkets I started seeing Coke, zero, you know, no alcohol, I think that's a problem because it's taking a brand kids know and associating with alcohol in a space where kids are, Yeah. Whereas solo, doing it in a bottle shop, I don't see the difference between that and, you know, the cruises that are there as well. Like, I don't think there's any real difference between those two things. So I think that is that is the thing. Do not have brands using the word alcohol, whether it's zero alcohol or not, in a space where kids are. But we all know with bottle shops, Matt, you cannot buy takeaway alcohol. if you eat. Like, everyone gets asked for ID, except for me. I've stopped being asked for ID, which is really upsetting. Dee, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Dee Madigan from Broad, Executive Director of Campaign Edge. Rishan Warwick, maybe we should have plain labelling for alcohol and with only the strength and possibly in serve size. So, I mean, I guess that is taking it that step too far, looking at packaging it like alcohol. Maybe I just need to read the labels a little better. And another, when you buy zero alcohol products at the supermarket, they still do an ID check, even at the self-serve. I didn't know that. And when you think about the, the packaging on alcohol too, so pl- plain packaging on cigarettes, I think, as as Dee was saying, it, it's a product that will almost be banned now if it was invented today and the companies behind it are all very large. We don't have an industry that grows tobacco in Australia anymore. There's a whole lot of reasons to have, to make it easier to more heavily regulate that kind of sector. Alcohol, when you think about it in regional areas of Victoria, but right around Australia right now, is actually the bedrock of many small businesses in, t- in entire regions. When you think, you know, King Valley, Rutherglen, mm-hmm. like all the wine regions as well, have small family wine businesses that are in their entire businesses are built into their label, their brand. Uh, they're not advertising at, at, at children. They're doing it in the legal section at the, mo- the way at the moment. And then you think of the growth of small breweries and small distilleries as well, Rochelle. There's a whole lot of small business built around alcohol development and um, sales in regional 
regional areas around Australia. And if you brought in something like pain packaging there, I'd yeah, imagine no, you would I don't have think that would quite work. a big outcry. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when we look at craft beer and craft gin, all of those things that over the last decade or so have just gone through the roof. We have seen an explosion in really clever and quite frankly, quite beautiful packaging and marketing that we've never had in the past with alcohol. It's always just been very standard. There was always a small selection. And now we seem to have more and more and more. This message says, how long until we sell alcohol in the supermarkets? So I've been all throughout Italy, the UK, and recently in New Zealand, they sell alcohol in supermarkets. It won't be long until we see it here. But see, I grew up in a small country town where the bottle shop was in the supermarket, right? And there's there's still a lot of cases like that at the moment, and there's a big German-owned retailer that sells alcohol before you get to the uh, to the shelves too. So we do have some level of sales. It's just not as big in the major supermarkets here as it is in other parts of the world. Yeah, lots of people saying a similar thing. I lived in London for seven years. You could buy five different types of beers in a shop on a train platform. Have you seen the Brits drink just as much, if not more, than Australia? What you're talking about is just a step behind the UK and what the UK is already doing. So have the lines become blurred or do we need to just read labels a little better and pay more attention, take some more responsibility? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Warwick Long joining you this morning from ABC Shepparton. Whether or not those lines are blurred between soft drink and alcohol. We've had it forever was. I'm going back to West Coast Coolers, right? Where they were They were the original market that kids kind of drink, weren't they? I don't even know if it was kids or back then. I think it was marketed to the ladies, right? Ah, It was the alternative to beer. They're just wasn't the choice that there is now. And I think the thing that's coming out of today's conversation is that there are all of these small businesses, there are all of these craft distilleries, there are all of these small marketers. And that's why things are getting kind of cooler and sleeker because they're not being done by, you know, Fosters or Carlton Mm. United or whoever it may be. Oh, it's sort of a bit of all of the above, right? Everyone's trying to find their way through this enormously disrupted market. And that's led to the different areas of concern, a soft drink that becomes an alcohol, the diet alcohol um, market that we've just invented or someone's going to send me a piece of research saying it's been around for ages. But certainly it's become a big point of discussion here. The the non-alcohol section of the supermarket that has huge brand names like Heineken and like Peroni and like Carlton – alongside your your Fanta and your Coke, right? So this has become a number of different topics and a number of different conversations about where do we draw that line and what is acceptable in this country. Helen's in Dandenong. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. Um, Yeah, great topic um, and and, um, an important one. Um, Look, what I have a concern about with what you've discussed is, you know, the zero alcohol that looks like alcohol bottles um, in the supermarket, but I'd prefer to have them in the supermarket in a section on their own rather than in the bottle shop. Because then you've got the person who does not want the alcohol. So if it's not in the supermarket, you're forcing them to go to a bottle shop. And they don't want to go there. Mm. Yeah, and they don't want to go there. So, you know, I think the supermarket option is a good one as long as they separate it away from, you know, what, what is soft drink, you know, without... See, my major supermarket, Helen, doesn't separate it. When we talk about blurred lines, it sort of goes from solo, Fanta, wine, beer. 
Yeah, exactly. So what they should do is actually separate it, like put it in a nile on its own, in a section on its own, so you don't get that blurring, but don't force the poor person who doesn't want alcohol to have to go to a bottle shop to get the zero alcohol bottle of thing that looks like wine. You know, How do you feel about fair. paying high price for a zero alcohol bottle of wine? Have you ever bought one before, Helen? Yeah, look, my dad got unwell, he's elderly, and he likes, um, you know, we're of European extraction, we like a half a glass of wine with our meal, um, and that's it, you know, that's just what he does. But, um, yeah, so I started buying the um, zero alcohol wine for him. Um, look, you just buy it because it was... I, I didn't really think about the price, to tell you the truth. I just thought this is, you know, this is a nice transition. It, it's, you know, um, it makes things seem like not too much change has happened, even though he became quite unwell. So you're kind of trying to maintain... Um, the you know, lifestyle. a very positive and yeah, and yeah. positive environment for him. So oh, that's we wish, nice wish him all the I best. I don't like it. Yeah. Thank you. I don't like it. It's awful. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> My girlfriend and I were talking about that over the weekend for the same reason, Helen, that you sort of just want to replace a healthier choice, but we just we call it our grape juice because it kind of does taste like grape juice. But the cost was, from an agricultural mm. perspective, and you work and deal with the wine sector a lot, why does it cost so much when there's no alcohol in it? Or is it just because the alcohol was in there initially and it's somehow been extracted no, not being a taxation expert, because this is a really interesting point to me, because actually the reason alcohol and the idea of making alcohol less attractive to young people buying it, particularly those ready-to-drink drinks with soft drink and so forth in them, is they're heavily taxed, right? The government takes quite a lot of revenue off that, and zero alcohol shouldn't attract that same tax rate. Now, there are many debates about one, is it costs a lot to take out the alcohol and, and so forth in the, in the process of making it, but... I'm not sure how that sits with me. I almost feel like there's there's a greater markup maybe on these products. Maybe our next guest can tell us if there is a good markup on these products, if he's in the right area of the supply chain. Uh, Bob Matthews, IGA supermarket owner, and uh, he's standing in the alcohol section right now, I think, in uh, in one of the, the stores that he runs. Hi, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Actually, I'm standing in front of... Uh the uh, zero alcohol section, which is in our liquor section, and I'm looking at, uh, uh, well, I will mention the name, Gordon's Zero Alcohol-Free Gin, and um, it's got a price about $34. When you go on to the alcoholic one, it's probably 20 bucks more than that, right? So, ah, so it is cheaper. It is in the main cheap. It depends. They do blur the lines a little bit with some of these. these uh, there's another one here, which is a. Uh, it's supposed to be a um, uh, four pillars, which is a sort of a. But it's yeah. it's not far off the price. But it's sort of more of a. It's a different again. But no, look. We, because but this is in a separate with, section, Bob. Yeah. So this is in like that alcoholic the, section of your supermarket, in, or is it yes, in the soft absolutely. drink section? No, 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 no. This is in the alcoholic section because it looks like alcohol. There's Gordon's gin. I can't see too many people lining up the Gordon's gin in the soft drink section and looking for it and finding. It. You know, there, there are some, um, so you know, we keep all our non-alcoholic, in fact, it used to be, there was a product called Edenvale, which has been around forever, right? And it was an alcohol-free wine, uh, wine, right? But now we've actually put it in here, because it looks like a bottle of wine, but when you think people like Brown Brothers, Zero Moscato, Zero Prosecco, we won't call Prosecco very long, there's a significant range there now, and it's sort of, it really is, uh, and it is a bit cheaper than the, than the non-alcoholic, because I know that, you know, everywhere, every time you buy 
even VB came out with a, with a, a, a full-strength, a full um, a, a super-strength one. Always more expensive. The more alcohol in, the more it costs. It's so you have separated then even your zero alcohol from your soft drink because a lot of supermarkets now will have their zero beers and wines in their soft drink aisle. That's something that you've chosen not yeah, to do. That's right, because I don't, well, beer is beer. I think if you if you want a beer, that's where you're going to look for it. But as I said, this these other uh, some Shirazes and cuvées, which have traditionally been alcohol free, which have been alcohol free forever. Yeah, they stay in the in the um, uh, in the in the soft drink area because that's where people have always bought them from. But um, yeah, but in terms of where they are at the moment, no, they're right in the middle of our liquor section, and uh, you know we never we don't ask for people for their. Um, uh, for their, if they're getting alcohol free, we don't check their age. So you know, although you know, we usually check. Um, usually, people buy a bit of both, a bit of alcohol and mm. non-alcohol. Depending, my wife drinks zero, and I drink not zero. That's how it works. So, uh, but um, I'm always interested. I think that this after high is obviously the people that have come out with the solo. I'm just a, a believer in the fact that sort of. Uh, well, you look at the vodka. You know, as we said, I heard before you saying there's a fairy floss, right? There's a um, elderflower, there's a musk, and craft beer, there's a sugar baby. I mean, you know, but is this directed at children? I mean, I don't believe it is. I mean, how I t- my take on it is that there was always censorship in Australia. Over the years, censorship has been reduced and reduced, whether it be what you read, what you see, what you uh, listen to. It's been broadened up, and now it's a choice. If you want to listen to rubbish, you can listen to it. If you don't want to listen to rubbish, you don't. <laughs> and it's the same exactly with the... With the, with the, with the um, the soft drink and the and the beer and whatever it's opened it up people but the rule so, the so Bob can you take us in... inside a supermarket just because I think that's a really interesting point to make when you hear these huge debates so last week it was a hard solo product being launched and people saying well this is a soft drink people already know and this is being marketed at kids and there's always a debate like this at some stage in alcohol. When you hear the debate and then you see the sales or you see who's coming into your supermarket, is there a difference in what people say and what you see, what it, what people do? Look, it's 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 all to do with marketing, really. Marketing rules the world now. I mean, you know, they're, they're, so because everyone got a bit carried away about the solo, our solo sales have are, are gone, um, you know, this alcoholic solo is people are coming, there's lots and lots of people selling it. Because it's it's in the, it's on the radio, people are talking, they're trying it. Some people try it once and never try it again. But, they, um, but it's there. But the thing is that my belief on it is that the, the, the people are so high that produce that, they're going to do it as a short run, maybe 100,000 cartons and take it off the market, right? That's what they do. They bring a product in because that helps market it. It marks a new product. I mean, mm. we're standing here at the moment, there's, there's um, uh, Bundaberg. Bundaberg do an alcoholic lemon squash. It looks almost, well... An alcoholic lemon squash? Yep. Now, the, the Solo, I'm looking at the moment, it's in a four-pack, but it's a black four-pack. It doesn't look anything like a six-pack of, of Solo, right? The Solo, because it's gone black on the, and the cans themselves, they're black. They're not yellow like, um, I don't understand where the, you know, the advertising is pushing it, looking, but they, if you go buy a, bought a four-pack, you took the Solo, it's a black can with alcoholic lemon all over it and broad right. You reckon you'd know. Bob, lots of people are saying that we're only, you know, a couple of steps away from becoming like other countries where you can just buy alcohol anywhere from 7-Eleven in the supermarket that we're not going to have this separate section. Do you think, maybe, I mean, as a supermarket maybe, owner, are look, we that close? 
No, not that close. I mean, it depends. States all have different regulations. Recently, I was doing a renovation to one of my stores, and I'd, I'd, uh, a friend of mine had come back from Europe and said, oh, wow, this is magnificent. You, have the, you can have the wine with the cheese. You walk up and you get your bottle of wine, you get the cheese. So I contacted the, um, uh, the fellow that was doing the design work for me, but he came back, he checked, and they said, no way, they're not going to do that. You can't do it in Australia at the moment. Eventually, it probably will go that way, but I don't really see the benefit from it. A re- well, some retailers would, but um, you know, I, I don't see it. As a, as, a, as a real good idea, but I must say the other part from the censorship is where it is. I tell, I sell to people, I tell people the story that I love is the story about King Canute, right? Now King Canute was a king many years ago, and he, he believed that the tide, he could stop the, he was so big he'd stop the tide coming in, and he sat his chair down as the tide came in, he got wet feet. There are some things we can't stop, right? And if you can't stop it, you can't stop it. And, and the government brings in legislation, we can't. We can't sell to kids underage. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care what the the packaging looks like. Eleven thousand dollar fine if we're caught. If someone buys it and sells it to a kid, they're up yeah, for, a, for big a big fine, fine. as well. I mean, well, that war, bell is that sort of stuff. That bell is ringing like crazy in the store that you're in, Bob. We appreciate you walking into that aisle and, and talking us through it. Thanks so much for your time, as always. No troubles at all. Thank you very much. See you, mate. Bob Matthews there, IGA supermarket owner and I think the CEO of a handful of, of those particular stores. This is, it's so fascinating. Was And look, honestly, I don't think this is wowzer. It's just interesting to pull apart how trends come and go where and how things are labelled. Okay, so this is an interesting one. I've never seen this. It says, I stood in the mixers aisle of a major supermarket the other day and I was amazed to see a small four-can pack of espresso martinis. How could they still be called that when there's no alcohol content? It's, I mean... That, I mean, you're still buying something that looks like alcohol. Even though there's no alcohol in it, where should it be? I don't know. Maybe I am Shouldn't a wowzer. Shouldn't it just be called coffee syrup? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I'm still getting over the uh, Bob Matthews from the IGA giving us a King Canute uh, reference as well. I think I was prepared for the ship of Theseus maybe ethics discussion here, but uh, I'm loving that we're, we're getting into this level of thinking about what we do and how we market it and where we go, and that's an example of a supermarket having the alcohol section, which is obviously off to the off to the side of the sort of main section he was talking about the the design features there but i i don't think we're as far from maybe europe or as as far from maybe some of the other countries as we like to think we are as well and that's what makes me think about the lines we draw and where we draw them and what's working and is it working as we currently stand this i work in asia regularly they have vending machines where you can buy beer so how close are we to that on abc radio melbourne and victoria this is the conversation hour couple of your texts coming in, some making me giggle, others with some serious uh, stories as well. But this one, Rish, when we were in the US, my daughter was getting sleepy drinking iced tea. Took us a while to realise that it was hard iced tea. <laughs> she was, she's 26. There's, uh, there is hard lemon drinks. You can get wine and beer, etc. at servos there as well. That's, I suppose that's the story of the, the marketing and the can and the product looks so similar. Maybe it is easy to get tricked. Well, and this is, I know I can't trust myself with things like alcoholic solo. I love the regular one and I know it's literally low on fizz and you can slam it down fast. I'm 45, so I need to be concerned about things like this. I think I spoke to you about this before we we went on air today. Solo to me is the old bloke in a kayak. It's not really a young person thing, but maybe it is. I couldn't even tell you the last time someone I know 
drank that particular drink. I had to explain to my daughter the other day what a lemon squash was. Right? So <laughs> it, but it, it comes down to the obscene amount of choice that we have now, and it's not just the big players. So maybe this is a good thing. There's lots of small independents. There's lots of uh, small businesses and, and craft breweries or whatever it may be that are coming into this conversation. But lots of people also talking about what does it just normalise drinking and where does education fall into this? Katerina Georgie is the CEO of Fair, which is the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education. We know we need more education when it comes to the amount of alcohol we drink and whether or not it's something that should be sold in supermarkets or blurred between a, a soft drink. Katarina, does it concern you or do we just need to do our own research? Hey, Rochelle, I think that this is a really important conversation to be having because it's around community expectations around what is a harmful product. And so education is important. How we think about marketing is important. How alcohol companies work and market their products is important. But what you have to think about is that alcohol companies spend billions and billions of dollars on marketing their products. They have product innovation. They can pop up new products overnight. Um, and when this, with this particular product, we know that young people, particularly young boys, so age 14 to 17, are most likely to drink soft drink. So you can't help but stop and go, what is the intent here with the knowledge that they have that data as well and with the knowledge that they know that these brands have been sitting around for a long time and have a particular resonation with the community? Uh, Katarina, stay there. Uh, we'll come back to you in just a second. I want to go to Pat in Ballarat, who's on the line. Welcome to the program. G'day, how are you? Yeah, good. What happened to you? Well, um, after a tennis match in the indoor tennis centre, um, the, the team sits around and has a beer afterwards, and I, I haven't had to touch a drop of alcohol for 44 years, and I thought I'd have a soft drink. So I asked the girl behind the counter for a lemon, and she said, I haven't got lemon, I've got lemon-lime. She gave me a bottle that cost me $7, and I thought, oh, wow, you know, that's an expensive bottle of lemon, but it was a flash bottle. So I sat down and had a taste, and it was lovely. It was a beautiful drink. I looked at the label, curious about the drink itself, and it was alcoholic. <gasps> had no idea. And, of course, all the boys around the table thought it was a great joke. They thought uh, they said it had more alcohol in it than their, all their beer put together. But there was absolutely no way you could smell or taste alcohol wow. in it. Wow. And, Pat, that would have been a genuine mistake by both the person that was yeah, serving right, you yeah, and yourself. I didn't make a fuss. I left it sitting on the table and, of course, because of um, all the germ factor these days, nobody else wanted it. But um, I just left it sitting on the table just to sip out the top. But I was absolutely shocked and, and I thought to myself, well, teenagers could drink this stuff till, till the end of the night and not realise the effect it was having on them and I was absolutely disgusted. So, Pat, you hadn't had a drink for 44 years. Could you tell the difference by the taste that it had alcohol in it? No, I looked at the label because it was such a lovely um, soft drink. It's wow. the Pat, labels. It's the, thank you they, so much for your call. I'm really glad you gave us uh, that anecdote because that's an insight I wouldn't I wouldn't have an, a, an idea to pull. The labelling has become so slick, and I'm not even talking about being confused between hard solo or you know hard ginger beer or whatever it may be. But they're, they're quite beautifully designed. I mean, like Pat just said, it actually looks really lovely. That incredible sleek marketing that we're seeing and packaging, Katarina, again, going to sound like a wowser. Is that a concern? Well, it's part of the whole marketing plan. 
So I heard you speaking earlier, Rochelle, about products that are targeted at women. And so they'll really focus on how they're low in sugar, how they're low in carbs. And there aren't as many controls on labels as you would expect. And to the point around you not being able to taste the alcohol, that's the whole point. There are now so many videos on TikTok of people drinking hard solo, young people saying, this is amazing, we can't even taste the alcohol. And it's because if you served people the spirit on its own, it doesn't taste great. But the way to get people into these products is through this really sugary, sweet drink. And that's why RTDs and Alcopops and these sweetened alcohol drinks exist. We've been discussing and debating Alcopops for as long as I can remember. Has anything changed? I mean, and does that tell us something that maybe the market has regulated itself? It's up to us as to individuals to make the right decisions to educate our kids. I think it's it's really hard and it completely ignores the fact that this is a harmful product, this is an addictive product, and one in 10 people in Australia meet the criteria for an alcohol use disorder. It's really hard to escape this now. Every phone is a bottle shop, every phone is a billboard. All the things we would say to people like, if you're trying to cut back, don't have alcohol in your house, avoid any triggers, it's unavoidable. So it's completely irresponsible for us to then go, it's all on you now, educate yourself, figure it out, and to just give the companies free reign to target and get to people in whatever way they can. We need government standards around this because it is inescapable and the digital world has made that more so. There's an interesting text here, and I'm interested in your thoughts on it, saying we often talk about education being the solution. We need to ask ourselves what kind of education. Is there a correlation between the best schools and lower consumption of alcohol? Absolutely not. If anything, the opposite. We need to start looking at the behaviour from a broader interdisciplinary lens and look at the impact of culture, social norms alongside socioeconomic issues, as well as education. Can education... Should we do a better role uh, job around education around alcohol rather than always trying to regulate it, Katarina? This is a really important conversation to have because the truth is that we could have the best education, but there will never be the type of investment that alcohol companies put into marketing. So you can come into the classroom, I can talk to you about how it's harmful, I can talk to you about what's going on and that's an important part of it. But then you step into a world where there's a bottle shop on every corner, where there's marketing everywhere, where you're scrolling through your phone and you're seeing ads, where people are saying that anyone who questions this or anyone who says this might be a problem is a wowser. You know, you'd need a bucket load of education and billions of billions of dollars to actually overcome it. So that's why these higher standards, these community measures that government introduces are really important. Is that, though, because the majority of the population uses alcohol responsibly, they like the way it makes them feel and they want it to be part of society? I think the majority of the, the community have some experience of alcohol harm. They know someone who's been harmed by alcohol. They know someone who might have an alcohol use disorder. They may have had someone who was hurt because of alcohol. Um, and that's often not what we talk about. So when you talk to people in the community about whether they expect there to be things like government regulation around marketing, they say there absolutely should be. And then when you say to them, well, there isn't, actually, 
there are a bunch of alcohol companies who got together 25 years ago and they set their own rules which stopped government regulation in their trucks. They can't believe it. So actually, if you go beyond this whole notion of a conversation that's really polarised between either wowserism or caring about harms and you have nuance in the conversation, most people really want to see these community mm. standards because they know the harms that come from it. Well, all the similarities are being drawn at the moment with vapes and the fact that there's fruit tingle vapes and passion fruit grapes, um, vapes and you name it. Katerina, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Katerina Georgie, the CEO of the of FAIR, which is the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education. So a message here from Craig. It says, good morning. I'm a recovering alcoholic. If I enter any major supermarket chain retailer, the bottle shop is prominent and adjacent. When I buy soft drinks, I find all the zero alcohol drinks with familiar labels in that same aisle. I can walk past it all, but I don't enter that store with the thought that this retailer is focused on anything else other than sales. So I've actually modified the way now that I circulate through the aisles. And it's just, I guess, looking at, I mean, zero alcohol, this is a whole other conversation was, and on this particular program, we've looked at zero alcohol in depth multiple times. So download the the conversation now or go to the ABC Listen app if you want to go deep into zero alcohol because it can be great for some people. It can also be super triggering for a lot of people as well. Maybe not so much the taste, but the look of it, the feel, even the cracking of the can, whatever it may be, it doesn't work for everyone. So that line of where it's available, you do need to think about that. Oh, certainly you do. It, it's always interesting in terms of the psychology of how supermarkets are designed and where things are, they are and how you, how hard it is for you to modify where you walk and how you move around a supermarket, even just by the idea that the milk and the things that you need to buy are always up the back to make you walk through more of the supermarket, right? So much of it is built for you to buy more and that's all on the psychology of how we move and what we're looking for when we're walking through a, a thing like a supermarket as well. So that must be so difficult to be a recovering alcoholic to, to work your way through a supermarket and look what you're going to buy. So thank you for sharing that. Let's go to Paul in South Melbourne. Hi, Paul. Hello, how are you doing? I'm a food and product photographer and uh, I've in, in recent times uh, shot for quite a number of uh, bottle shops and, uh, and uh, alcohol retailers. And uh, to be honest, I was quite staggered by the number of these uh, products um, with name brands so, uh, like Coca-Cola and Pepsi um, with uh, typically whiskies in those cases. But so, uh, and they've obviously been around for a while, so I was quite interested in why the um, Furor started with the Solo brand, um, given that these name brand products have been around quite a while. But on the other hand, I was also really staggered by the sheer quantity of these sorts of drinks in the, uh, um, in the, the bottle shops. It's, uh, you know, these days you sort of go into the bottle shop and buy beer and wine and flavoured soft drink or you know, alcohol soft drinks. Incredible. And so when did you start to notice that shift, Paul, as someone that sort of works in this space? When did you start to notice that shift? Um, God, I've been doing this um, so probably within the last um, two years, I would say. Uh, but, I, th- th- but I'm not saying for a moment that they weren't around before that, but that's when I really started to notice just the sheer number of them. That's yeah. really interesting, Paul. Thank you so much for sharing that with us as well. We'll go to someone who knows a little bit about how drinks look how they've been sold to you and has been really around it for a very, very long time. Max Allen is a drinks writer and author of Intoxicating 10 Drinks That Stopped Australia. Max, welcome to the program. 
Uh, I, I wish I had been around for that long. I was going to say it hasn't been that long, <laughs> has it? Although I do remember you mentioned Moo Juice, the alcoholic milk. Uh, yes. That was about 20 years ago, but I remember the first alcoholic lemonade, Two Dogs. Do you remember that? No. That was an Australian no. product that came out about 30 years ago that actually really kick-started the, the sweet um, alcoholic lemonade trend worldwide. It was a huge... It was a You're huge making me feel better Australian. about that introduction now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, so none of this is new, right? So this but is who what was I the original one marketed to? So you, back when... What did you say it was called? Sheep two dog. dogs. So <laughs> two, two dogs. Oh, I'm, I'm not oh, going to explain... I do that. remember that, actually, 100%. That? So, I do yeah, yeah. remember so that. I'm not going to explain the name. No, that's uh, not. But it was... All the arguments you're having today about alcohol being marketed to underage drinkers completely applied to that brand. And just as I think this is an example, what's going on now with this current brand coming out with an alcoholic version is, and I agree with Mark Butler on this, the, um, the minister, that this is cynical. This is cynical marketing aimed at building the brand, not at introducing underage drinkers to booze. And, and so every time we kick up a fuss about it, we're mentioning the brand name. Every time you go onto the internet to have a look at a story about it, you're looking at the labels. Uh, I think, as is the case, uh, there's a couple of, of hard versions of well-known soft drinks that have appeared in the States recently. Uh, Mountain Dew, for example, which is a huge product in, in the States, has come up with a hard version in the last 12 months or so. And that already looks like it's beginning to, to fizz out. These are brand building exercises, cynical brand building exercises mm. that have a long history. And even changing the word like hard, right? So rather than alcoholic or it just it's those tweaks that make you maybe somehow feel better about the decisions that you're making that maybe the choices that you're making aren't as harmful as what they possibly are max in all that, the years that, that we've that, been debating it though nothing's really changed it's just that there's more choice now no the only thing that tends to change is that governments are almost forced by public opinion to step in so you brought it up before the alco pops tax that rudd the Rudd government introduced in 2008 because they had to be seen to do something because there was such outroar about uh, uproar about binge drinking. So unfortunately, those people who have made the point that this is a bit of a wowsery uh, topic and that you know we, the last thing we need is more legislation or regulation that is possibly going to be you know a potential outcome of this. Meanwhile, the parent company of this particular brand have got their free marketing and have built. I, I agree with Russell Howcroft, who you quoted at the beginning of the show. I think this is beyond. Uh, this is beyond stupid. To to blur, to blur. Can you imagine Coke or Pepsi coming out with an alcoholic or hard version? It's never going to happen. But the parent companies of in those cases will play with their lesser brands to kind of step into this mm. space. Anyway, I, I, Do I'm, you think, yeah. it, though, by playing with the lesser brands, if if the rules don't change now, uh, that opens the door to, to the bigger, to the Coke and Pepsis having hard versions in the future? Potentially. I mean, you know, this is another example, is it not, of... of so many things that we take or have taken for granted in so many aspects of life, having very set boundaries, being blurred by social media, by all the pressures of, of uh, everything else that's happening in society. So this, this is another example, you could argue, of that kind of cultural boundary blurring um, that, that could have unforeseen 
uh, repercussions. I mean, it, it's really interesting that we're even having this discussion because if you go back 100 years or more, it was an absolute free-for-all yeah. <laughs> in how alcohol was, was promoted and marketed. I mean, at least now very, very few people al- uh, advertise alcohol or market it on its health benefits. Or do they? Well, yeah, things have changed. I remember my nana being told to take up smoking to help with her anxiety. So, you know what? Things have changed. Hey, Max Allen, stay with us. Judy's in Kilmore. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. What did you want to say? Yeah, I wanted to give you a teacher's perspective on this. I I don't think the marketing's the problem. Kids know all about alcohol from a very early age because they're watching their parents. Um, If these cans are not very clearly labelled... A teacher like me supervising at a school camp is going to have a hell of a time working out whether that's non-alcoholic or alcoholic. And have you had that issue, Judy? Oh, yeah. Kids kids are masters at hiding alcohol in Coke cans or whatever else they can find. Um, And it's just going to make it even easier if they just say, well, look, it's not open yet. And they pop the, the can open, but it's actually alcoholic. The, um, the cans are going to have to be very clearly different uh, if they have got alcohol in them or not. Or we're just not I think that's it, isn't it? It's making it clear. Max Allen, I refer to, and this is not, I mean, I knew what I was drinking the other week when I ordered a, a glass of rosé. However, it came to me in a small, sleek little can, you know, those little slender ones Ooh. that are on trend at the moment. And as I was saying to was at the top of the show, it was only that I always check the... the standard drinks on anything that I'm drinking and it wasn't the normal one or 1.1 standard drinks it was 2.6 and because because it was full strength wine right so it was 12 percent alcohol or 13 percent alcohol yeah so this Mm. but the idea of it being this tiny little can and the perception and the marketing that it gives you you've got to really pay attention and take some responsibility now you do. It's one of the most fascinating things that I've come across in the last couple of years is there's been a return to task wine, so bag and box, goon, right? So there's there's uh, some upmarket, I think we've spoken about this, I think you've spoken about this too, uh, upmarket, like, you know, they're not cheap wines. They're, they're really good quality wines being sold in two-litre casks or in some cases bigger. And unlike 50 years ago when these cask wines, the big names we know like Coolabar, were being absolutely explicitly advertised as that they having a cask means you can furtively drink you know there was that advertising campaign where do you hide your cooler bar and it depicted people burying their cask in the sand at the beach so nobody could see that they were drinking <laughs> out of the cask or you know hiding it in, in the you know in, in a behind a pot plant at a party that kind of thing so the at the alcohol industry was encouraging furtive drinking now the people selling these casks are saying this is actually encouraging responsible drinking because you can just have a glass of this and then put it back in the fridge and you don't have to have any more for the rest of the evening and you know that the next time you have it, two, three days' time, it's still going to be fresh. So it's this fascinating little ter- cultural wow. turnaround that and a how, new generation yeah. advertising cask wine as being more responsible than in our parents' generation. Max Allen, it has been great to pick your brain a little bit here and thank you for reminding us about Two Dogs, which I didn't know about, but I've had to Google it. I remember it it now. Brewed like beer, tastes like lemonade was the label on the front, which is amazing. Max, great to talk to you. Thank you.
Uh, drinks writer, author of Intoxicating 10 Drinks That Shaped Australia and reminding us of the ones that we'd forgotten, Rochelle. And the casks, I mean, it just shows you where marketing comes into this. You just remarket the same product, something that you're hiding behind a bush or in my parents' case, you just plonk it smack bang in the middle of the table at <laughs> the local Chinese restaurant. But... It's changing and it's marketing. This says, I've just come into this conversation. Shouldn't it just say alcoholic if it's alcoholic and not use the words hard or soft? They're just not informative. Another saying Rishan was, I reckon the marketing of hard or kiddie type drinks are more aimed at those energy energy drink users rather than Coke or solo drinkers. These companies are trying to transition the kids from energy drinks into alcoholic beverages. The packaging is aimed fair and square at the youth market. That's from Mike in Wattle Glen. As we said, we've done plenty of shows, was on this, on zero alcohol, uh, on the, the wine industry itself, organic wine industry. So subscribe to The Conversation Hour. Go to the ABC Listen app.